Thank you, John, and uh, good morning, brothers and sisters. Um, today, I would use this hour to <clears throat> continue the uh, the second outline that uh, we did not finish last evening. Um, <clears throat> the as a reminder, the subject matter um, is being vitalized by having the absolute or an absolute clear and thorough fellowship with the Lord. In a way, this you can get more elementary than this. Uh, once a person um, gets saved, those of us who would shepherd such a new one or this new babe, spiritual babe, one of the things that we would try to help him or her is, in fact, to build up a habit to be with the Lord personally. And uh, <clears throat> we tell them to just start with a few minutes and uh, and then in time um, to let that um uh, uh the length of this of their uh, fellowship with the lord uh grow and um <clears throat> we even could um uh, or can measure or gauge uh a person's spiritual growth or progress somewhat by this kind of time they have with the Lord, both in quantity and also in quality. What that means is that if we are growing in the Lord, if we are um, developing in the Lord, um, <clears throat> if we are really <clears throat> coming into a life of pursuing the Lord, uh, and gaining the Lord, one crucial sign um, is how much are you with the Lord? Um, it does not make sense to say that, well, I love the Lord, I pursue the Lord, I'm for the Lord, this and that, when in actual actuality, you don't spend much time with him. Does that make sense? It does not make sense. So, um, as we are now talking about this matter of vitality, which in my feeling is one of the most desperate need, the greatest need in the churches today, amongst our saints today, um, we are going back to this um, this matter as if we are trying to rebuild or dare I use the word to do something remedial here simply because perhaps some of us have never built up this kind of consistent personal lengthier time with the Lord. <clears throat> or maybe we used to have it, but because of the demands of life, the busyness of our schedule, this the distraction of the world, and other things, and other things that this very, very crucial and critical part of our Christian life suffered. Our times with the Lord, that reflects really the intensity of our relationship with the Lord, um, um, is not growing. But uh, worse yet, or worse than that, in some cases, it might have even diminished. 
I have seen this, I'm sure you have. And now let me uh, uh, clarify this uh, one more time. When we talk about building up these uh, seasons or times with the Lord alone, <clears throat> we are not talking about doing morning revival. There's nothing wrong with having morning revival. In fact, we should have um, uh, be revived every morning. Um, we used to call this long time ago morning watch. And since the 80s, our brother meaningfully and rightly altered the word watch to uh, revival. Watch really refers just to the time, you know, the four o'clock watch, the six o'clock watch. It refers to the time. Whereas revival refers not just to the time, but to the result, the resulting condition of such a time, of such times. And that is these times should have the effect of reviving, reviving us, reviving our inner being. <clears throat> I forgot yesterday, uh, you know, whether in this fellowship, um, I mentioned this matter about the need of revival, personal revival. Um, you have the word in um, uh, um, judges, right? Did I talk about this last night? I don't remember. Uh, in the song of Deborah, right? Um, that, uh, I'm trying to find that here. Um, the last verse, which is verse 31 of chapter 5 of the book of Judges. And there at the end of this song of Barbara, I mean, Deborah and Barak, um, it says, May all your enemies so perish, O Jehovah, but may those who love him, who love him, be like the sun when it rises in its might. So here, this kind of speaking refers to those who are engaged in warfare, those fighters among Israel. These are people doing battle for God's interest and on behalf of the whole of Israel. But these are the ones, yeah, um, and this song was written after they had victories over their enemies. And so you can say that this song is a description of the overcomers of the day. These are overcomers. They are fighters. These are not passive people. These are vital people, vital Israelites. They were living, they were active, and in the very beginning of the song, I had no plan to spend much time on this song, but uh, in the first part of the song, it talks about your people have willingly offered themselves. And there's at least two verses on this matter. So these are consecrated people. These are not just uh, uh, a common Israelite. These are people who have volunteered themselves, who have offered themselves as a free will offering in a willing way to God to engage in warfare, spiritual warfare. So these are fighters. And this reminds me of Psalm 110 about the young men who have consecrated themselves. They are like um, the, uh, the dew. They are like in the womb of the morning. 
These are the ones who volunteer themselves uh, and with them, from them animates the splendor of consecration, the aroma of sacrifice. And these are people who offer themselves as a free will offering to the Lord. And these are the same people who would give David, who is a type of Christ, a drink, a drink. So they not only fought, they also quench the need of their king. Today, brothers and sisters, we are still in the days of warfare. We consider the kingdom of God, the kingdom of the heavens. In the church life, we are engaged still in this warfare against God's enemy and our enemies. And in this battle, we need the overcomers. The great part of the church of God has fallen, has degraded over the last 2,000 years. And in every age, in this long period of degradation, God would call the overcomers. God would raise up the overcomers. And this is clearly seen in the seven epistles in Revelation, chapter 2 and 3. Every church except one, and that is Philadelphia, were in some kind of degradation. And of course, these seven churches uh, portray, portray the history of the church in the New Testament, in this church age. And in each case, <clears throat> the Lord, <clears throat> the Son of Man, who was walking in the midst of these churches, of these golden lampstands, would rebuke, would point out their area of degradation, would rebuke them, and would ask them to repent, to have a turn, to have a change, to come back from their degradation, to return to a right condition. But at the end of every epistle, Uniformly, there was a call made, and that call was not for the entire church. Neither was that call to a corporate body. That call, those calls in every epistle, were calls to individuals because the pronoun he is used instead of they. He who overcomes. He who overcomes. That's an individual calling, a personal calling. And those who have an ear, let him hear. Because some probably would choose not to hear. But those who would be overcomers, let him hear. We are still in the church age. We're still outwardly in the environment of degradation. We are still more or less part of Christendom today. So we are living in a environment of degradation. Worse than that, of apostasy, of worldliness, of deadness of lukewarmness. All these are conditions of those different churches. And the Lord today is still calling, still calling the one who has the seven spirits. This one is still shepherding the churches as the son of man. He is calling for over overcomers, to rise up God's standard, to God's standard, to God's heart, to what God wants. 
And so it is these overcomers in this whole church age who would what? Who would stand on behalf of the failed and degraded church before God and before Satan to fulfill God's purpose. The church is not doing that as a whole. It's not. The overcomers are. You can say these 2,000 years, it's not just the church age. In another sense, these 2,000 years is the age of the overcomers. But these overcomers are small in number. They are a remnant. They are not the greater part of the church. They are the smaller part. Yet, yet, they made the difference. They are the ones who fulfill God's purpose. They are the one who bore, who bears the testimony of Jesus, the testimony that the church should be bearing, but is not bearing. They are the ones who fight against the enemy day and night. They are the ones who would what? Function in the way to build up the, the body of Christ. They are the ones who possesses the reality of that body because, as a rule, the church has lost that. The Lord's recovery in our midst is this last hundred years existed for this. The Lord's recovery is not another Christian, spiritual Christian group. The church of the Lord's recovery, uh, the, the Lord's recovery is not a better denomination, right? The Lord's recovery from the beginning until now is what exists to what? To produce the overcomers. Now you may say, what pride, what arrogance for you to say that? Well, when I say this, it doesn't come from a place of pride or arrogance. No, we are not better than other people. We are not more perfect. No, but, but, it is not just about us. It is about God. It is about his need. Who will meet his need? In this age, leading up to the coming back of his son, Jesus Christ, who will do that? Will God just be defeated? Will God just have a failed church? No. If you read the word, God never changed. God never lowered his demand. What God purposed and will, will be completed. What he has begun, he will end. He's not just the author, he is the finisher. And as we read the word, we will see the Lord comes back for his bride. There will be a bridal army with the victorious Christ who will join him to defeat the armies of the rebellious human race at Armageddon. He will come back to establish his kingdom on the earth. God's government for a thousand years. He will, after that, 
judge all the human race at the great white throne. He will cast Satan, his enemy, and even death itself into the lake of fire. There will be the coming of the new heaven and the new earth, and there will be the manifestation of the city called the New Jerusalem. These are all in the word of God. Either we believe it or we don't. So today God is still working. He's working in the heavens on the throne. He's also working within us as the pneumatic Christ. He is doing this to gain a remnant of people, a group of people who will stand as an anti-testimony to the de- de- to the degradation. They will be here not living for themselves, but for his need, his intention, and his desire. If God can gain such a group, if God can gain that number, that's all he needs to come back. Now, brothers and sisters, as far as I'm concerned, I'm in the recovery for that. Nothing less than that. And so today, what is required of me is his calling. He who overcomes. Will you be an overcomer, as one of our hymns says? Will you make this choice? Will you have such a resolution and resolve? So the second two verses in in this song of Deborah is in the tribes of Reuben, there was great resolutions of heart. They decided to fight. They decided to join in the war. This, this army that belonged to the tribe of Reuben. They also have great searchings of heart. And that is they plan to fight. They prepare themselves to fight. They condition themselves to fight. They have these great searchings of heart. You know, at the eve of a war, all the soldiers are having great searchings of heart. They may not live the next day at the end of the day. Things that can totally change your life may happen. They have great searchings of heart. They go in with their eyes open. Then the last of this song, as a conclusion, talks about such overcomers. These are those who love him. They are like the sun when it rises in its might. This reminds me, or should remind us all, of course, of Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18. You can take a look. But the path of the righteous is like the light of the dawn. That means the sunlight, the light of the dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. I look forward to that full day, and I hope you do too. What is that full day? Strictly speaking, is the day when the Son himself would come, would return to this earth. In that day of the kingdom, on this earth, 
that will be that full day. However, between now and then, how should I live? What should my pathway be? And here it talks about the path, the roadway, the roadmap, the journey of the righteous. It should be like the sunrise. It should be like the light of the sun, of the dawn. And it should shine brighter and brighter and brighter until the noonday. Almost it does not go past noon. Noon is the destiny. Noon is the destination. We're not here waiting for sunset, like at the end of the day. Every day, we just look for the noontime. Look for the noontime. So in the morning, when we get up, we should start to rise like the sun taking the path of the sun and to shine brighter and brighter until the full day, then the, the noon, noon day. Matthew chapter 13 and 43 <clears throat> is a kind of corresponding verse. It says, then the righteous will shine forth like the sun in the kingdom of their father. These are the overcomers. These are the ones who made it into that kingdom. They are the righteous one. And they will shine surely like the sun. And it says, even here in Matthew, not this is not Revelation. The Lord said, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. This is book of Matthew. Very much like Revelation. He who has an ear. To hear, let him hear. So I want to say this word in the beginning again to frame the burden of this perfecting fellowship. In this light, with this aspiration, this desire, this response to the Lord's call to be Today's overcomers, not super Christians, but normal Christians according to God's standard. We need to be the vital ones, the living ones, just to be living as he is living. He said, I am the living one and was dead. Behold, I live forevermore. He is the living one. And to correspond with him to be his army, we need to be as living as he is living and thank him. He has given us the provisions that we need to be living in that way. Am I right? We've been given his own life, the divine life, the eternal life, the ever-living life. We're given the resurrection life, the life that overcomes death that pass through death and overcomes death. We have received that life. We have received the spirit of life who operates in us. To what? To dispense, to impart this life into our entire being, not only our spirit, but even our mind, even our mortal bodies. This is not just to make us a little bit more spiritual, a little bit more holy. No, all of this, all of this is to cause us to overcome today. To overcome sin, to overcome the world to overcome our flesh, to overcome the natural life, to overcome our old man, to overcome, listen, our environment, to overcome the difficult environment, to overcome our afflictions, persecutions, and sufferings that come our way. 
to cause us to be those who are approved. <clears throat> and it says here, these are the ones who love him. You know, in Romans 8, we hear that all things work together, all kinds of things in our environment. For those who what? Those who love God. See, love is here again. And those who are called according to his purpose. Dear brothers and sisters, I hope we would have this kind of a view. The church life is not a game. The Lord's recovery is not just another Christian, spiritual Christian group. What has been handed to us, what has been shown to us as a revelation from the Holy Word is that God has such a need. The Adamic race failed, and the Abrahamic race replaced it, the called race. Then the Abrahamic race failed, and the church was called to replace it. And now the church fails. There is a fourth race, and that is the race of the overcomers. That will bring this age to an end. Brothers, we're here for this. I think if we think, consider things in this way, our needs and wants, our aspirations, our ambitions, um, our career, our future, all these things just pale in comparison. Pale in comparison. It does not mean we don't do those things. We still get married. We still have children. We still raise a family. And we should do these things responsibly. And even in the church life, thank the Lord, there are many things we do to serve, to, to do this or that. But we must remember what the Lord wants. He wants an overcomer. He wants the overcomers today who will meet his need. To be an overcomer, the Lord made it clear here and there, there's a price to be paid because you need to fight against the downward trend of this world the degraded condition of religion. And you have to overcome so many negative things that are working against us, even in our being and in our own environment. A person who is not vital with the Lord, living and active, cannot do that. But we are not here to naturally, with our natural strength, and light some strange fire to make ourselves living. We have another source. We have something that is provided from the heavens. And that is our God himself, our triune God. The Father, the Son, and today, that spirit, even a spirit that is sevenfold intensified to equip, to supply, to furnish his overcomers. It starts in the place of love. And that is no one who don't love the Lord 
who doesn't love the Lord would take this way. So let us affirm this love to the Lord, shall we? Let us tell the Lord in a deeper way, not in a childish way, not in a junior high school age way, but in a deeper way that we love God, that we love him. And we follow through that love with action. And that is, we will take his way, the way of righteousness. We would do what is necessary to not be befuddled and stupefied by this age and the things of this age. We would acquire a new manner of life, putting off the old man and putting on the new man. We would even adopt a new lifestyle. I use the word lifestyle because the way we live should be different from the worldlings. The way we spend our time, the way we prioritize our things, the way we order our existence because of the goals set before us must be different, must be different. And we don't apologize for that. We are different. We are God's peculiar possession, aren't we? We are his treasure. He called Israel that. And today, Peter, the apostles, repeated that. So, what should we do? We're coming back to the most essential thing in order to be vital, to be an overcomer. The first thing is simply to spend much time with God, with the Lord, with the one who called us. I mean, it's that simple. But to do that, we need so much love for him. We need a special consecration to him. Like Psalm 10 that I mentioned. We need to be a free will offering. This is volunteer. The Lord does not twist our arms to do anything. Much less to do this. I want to be one of those who give Christ a drink in the days of warfare. So even in the church life, in the Lord's recovery, we have to live in this way. It does not mean because you're in the recovery, you are automatically or spontaneously an overcomer. Although the church life thankfully, provides us with a good environment, a good situation for us to live that way. But whether we will or not, that is still up to each one of us. Now, continuing this matter of spending time with the Lord. I have less than 30 minutes We're in, if the brothers still have that outline, we're in Roman numeral six. We cover five things concerning how we should be with the Lord. You say one hour is too long. You look at this, it's not too long. 
In fact, you may find you don't have enough time. This is not some kind of regulation that you must do. No, it's you're drawn. You are inspired to do this of your own accord. So today we come to this point of beholding. When we are with the Lord, when we uh, uh, have this kind of intimate, personal, um, absolute, thorough fellowship with the Lord, we take time to behold him. So we have another hymn here. That is stanza 2 of 813. Here I behold thy radiant face. Its light upon my heart doth shine. With healing rays consuming all the weaknesses and faults of mine. These hymns, some you know, some you're not familiar with. I encourage you to go and spend some time in them. They're just a host of hymns uh, throughout this outline. A, we should learn to behold the beauty of the Lord. This is to look at him in our spirit and to gaze at him. You say, what? Just sit there? You know, just sit there? No, no, no. You may be silent. You may be still. You may not be saying much, but you're doing something very intently, and that is you are beholding his face. There, I tell you to see the Lord's face directly is one of the greatest blessings there is that man can enjoy. Even in Revelation 20, 22, and they will see his face in eternity. They will see his face. What greater blessing is there that we can behold the beauty of the Lord, mainly to see his face, face to face with the Lord Jesus? Don't you want to spend more time like that? Don't 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 you want to not run away and leave that view, that vision of himself? Some people they keep looking at their watch when they do their morning watch. Oops, when will this be over? Brothers and sisters, if you and I see the face of the Lord, we don't want to ever leave, do we? This is to look at him, not with his physical eyes, but with our spiritual eyes. We do have a set of spiritual eyes, the eyes of our heart. And with those eyes, we gaze on him. And in 2 Corinthians 3.18, this is point B, by beholding the Lord, we will receive an element from him that will transform us into the glorious image of Christ. This is to be vitalized, to be changed into his image by receiving an infusion, an infusion, a transfusion of his divine element into our being. And the way to do this is to look, behold, and reflect as a mirror the glory of the Lord. We're being transformed by the Lord's Spirit from glory to glory. I mean, dear ones, if we don't have this kind of time, how on earth are we going to be vital? And if we spend this kind of time with the Lord, how on earth will we not be vital? Moses came down from the mountain just beaming, shining, because he spent 40 days and 40 nights. 
our time with the Lord is inadequate, woefully inadequate. We need to schedule the time. We need to fight for that time, a longer time, because you don't just run in, high, and buy to the Lord. It doesn't work that way. You have to remain there. You have to look. You have to behold. You have to take time. As the song, a hymn says, take time to behold him. Then we will reflect him. We reflect him in our vitality. Number seven, another hymn, 808 stanza one. Master, speak, thy servant heareth, waiting for thy gracious word, longing for the voice, thy voice that cheereth. Master, let it now be heard. I'm listening, Lord, for thee. What hast thou to say to me? Now, here is another important aspect of our time with the Lord. You know what that is? That is to hear. Mary, Mary of Bethany, chose the better part, the best part. And that is what? To sit at Jesus' feet. And to what? Hear his word in that kind of intimate and close proximity. Because many times, the Lord does not shout. The Lord does not yell. The Lord doesn't scream when he talks to us. He speaks to us between his breaths. He speaks sometimes silently. He speaks with a small voice. And you can miss it. If you're inattentive, you'll miss it if you're not heeding to the drop of every word from him. But let me just remind you, hearing the Lord is a big learning, is is a very important exercise in our time with the Lord. Not to say something, but to hear him first. We have to train our ears. You know, in Isaiah, it says, open my ears in the morning. Open my ears. Open my ears first. That slave in Exodus 30, after he decided he will give up freedom and just serve his master forever, he was brought to the doorpost and with an all pierced through his ear. That means from then on, he will just be a listening, obedient slave. What do we know to do if we don't have a word from the Lord? How dare we do things without his speaking first? What a great blessing to be able to hear a word from God directly to you. And when was the last time you hear such a word personally from the Lord himself who said, child, I want you to do this. I want you to deal with this. Well, I want you to have a change in this. Whatever the case may be, it's his direct word to you and that only he can say. So A, when coming before God, we should not ask God for things. Don't don't start with asking God for things. Even if you have a need, put that aside first. But rather should inquire of him. I like very much the word inquire. In my personal times with the Lord, I find myself often just praying a prayer. Last night I mentioned one. Lord, I open to you. I open to you. I open every part of my being to you. But today, with this point, there is another prayer. It's very simple. Lord, what do you want? Lord, 
what do you have to say to me? Lord, what is your presence speaking? What is in your heart you want to tell me? That's what Abraham did. At the end of the meal, the fellowship, Jehovah has still not opened everything to Abraham, but Abraham would not let Jehovah go. He would stand there, still lingering there, until Jehovah said, how can I withhold what is in me? You know that story, Genesis 18. That resulted in the most glorious intercession. Prayer that is preceded by inquiring is the best prayer. You know, the best prayer is not our prayer, but his prayer in our prayer. It is the prayer where we utter his burden that he has told us back to himself. This best prayer is when he is, God is praying with us and in us and through us. That means he and us at that point are fully joined and mingled. Learn to inquire. Learn to inquire, Lord, in a way of conversation. Lord, what is on your heart? Reveal to your servant what is on your heart. We say and do too many things, having not heard anything from God. That's a sin. And we all have committed that sin. B, we must learn to listen to the Lord's word. We must let him speak and we must listen to his speaking. Well, there are a lot of verses here. I won't. Um, get to them. Well, you know, let me just quickly, Psalm 27, 4, one thing I have asked from Jehovah, to behold the beauty of Jehovah, and to inquire him, to inquire in his temple. So following the beholding, we may inquire. In 1 Samuel 38, David inquired of Jehovah. David asked Jehovah. This is this should be our spirit and attitude. Always asking the Lord the question. Lord, say something to me. Lord, what about this? Lord, what about that? And let the Lord say something to us. Exodus 21, 6, I mentioned about that slave already, right? Um, And uh, Exodus 21, 6, in footnote 2, it talk about uh, the slave, this slave having his ear open to hear the voice of the master. Psalm 143, 8 says, Cause me to hear, hear your loving kindness in the morning. To hear. Oh, blessed are our ears that when we hear, when we pick up the Lord speaking, we should have an abundant experience of this. Psalms 813, note 1. It says, the lover of Christ, ask him who dwells in the believers, as his gardens to let her hear his voice, while her companions listen for his voice. This indicates that in the work that we, as the lovers of Christ, do for him as our beloved, we should fellowship with him. As we are working with him, we need to maintain our fellowship with him, always listening to him. The, the, the proper fellowship with the Lord is a place where he speaks much more than we do. 
it does not mean we don't say anything. But he speaks more. He's looking for an ear and a heart into which he can pour out his desire today. Isaiah 54, I mentioned already, that I should know how to sustain the weary with the word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as an instructed ones. The morning is just a better time to hear for some reason. And Mary, of course, listening to the Lord's word at his feet. And then you have hymn 784. Pray to fellowship with Jesus. In the spirit, seek his face. Ask and listen. Ask and listen in his presence, waiting in a secret place. Pray to fellowship with Jesus, listening earnestly to him. Be impressed with his intentions, yielding to him from within. Now, number eight. Unto the Lord his praise I'll sing. As holy priests their songs did raise. Oh, may my heart be filled with him, his love and grace to praise. Hymn 791. What is the main point here? And that is part of our time with the Lord should be filled with some worship, some praise, and some thanksgiving. Frequently at the end of our time with the Lord. We're just overflowing, overflowing with worship, praising him, giving him thanks. No wonder Paul, he's the one apostle, when he talked about prayer and petition, very, very commonly, he would include this word thanksgiving at the end. Thanksgiving. That means giving the Lord the thanks. Shouldn't we do that? I mean, do you have times with the Lord where you are just praising him by yourself? Praising him, thanking him for so many things, so many things that he has done, and so many things that he's doing and will do. Worshipping him for what he is in all his attributes. So many parts, you know, like in the time worship of the Father, so many areas that we can worship him about. There's a lot of good hymns like this, like hymns 671. Thou art my God, the all-sufficient one, the Al Shaddai. Thou canst create for me what I lack, whate'er I lack. Thy mighty hand has strewn the lonely track with miracles of love and tender care. I tell you, when you're with the Lord, the Lord will bring to your memory how faithful he has been, how loving he has been, how gracious he is, how much he's full of loving kindness, how his mercies are abundant, his faithfulness. So many things that we would spontaneously sing praises to him. Brothers and sisters, these are the times that we should have with the Lord. B, to praise is to transcend everything to touch the Lord. The Christian life soars through praises. I won't read those verses in Psalms. Psalms is a book of praise. Book of praise. We need to actually learn to sing hymns of praise to the Lord more. The sacrifice of our lips, confessing his name. You know, brothers and sisters, I am concerned in my in our Lord's table. Our praises are weak. And many times non-existent. Instead of praising, the time is full of silence. That is because we don't have a habit to praise the Lord. 
We're not trained to praise the Lord. We need to use these times with the Lord to praise him. We will become a praiser, a singer. You know the overcomers? They defeat the enemy by their praise. You remember that. If you don't know how to praise, you don't know how to overcome. These overcomers standing there in Zion, they in their mouth is a new song. The new song. We're defeated so much because we don't praise. We have prayer, we have petition, but we don't have praise. But only when we praise, we are transcending. We are soaring in the skies. We're above the enemy. We're one with the Christ in victory. Number nine, the last point, hymn 812, marvelous, a wonderful stanza five. Lord, I would linger here. I love this word linger, just this word. It means remain. It means not leaving yet. It means to hang around some more. But I love this word linger. I would just linger here. I won't go. I know it's time to go, but I still won't go. I don't know if you have still something you want to say more, something you wish to tell me more. So I'm going to linger. Still seeking after thee. Continue in the word and prayer till thou dost flow through me. In my experience, Many times, because I did not linger just for that extra five minutes, ten minutes, I miss something of the Lord's full speaking. Yes, it happened. It happened. And conversely, the same. Sometimes I would just stay. I make myself stay, not to be in a hurry to leave the Lord's to leave that time, just to stay. My goodness, some precious, precious speaking from the Lord would come. It seems the Lord would test us, yeah? Would delay his speaking just to test you, to see how earnest you are, how desperate you are for him. So, In A, we must learn to linger in the presence of God. If he would begin to walk away, we must stay in his presence and tell him, Lord, I don't want to lose your presence. I want to linger here. That's Genesis. Even Jehovah was leaving. He was taking some steps to move on. But Abraham, Abraham remained standing before Jehovah almost telling Jehovah, don't go yet. I'm still here. Abraham's purpose in standing before Jehovah eventually was to intercede for Lot. That is in God's heart. That is also in his heart. But it was non-spoken. It was recognized. It was realized, but it's not spoken before the two friends. Until the lingering moment. In that very human conversation between these two, that intimate talk between these two, God finally unveiled to Abraham his heart's desire. And that prayer of law, uh, of Abraham to Jehovah has eternal effect, great effect on God's history. B, our lingering in his presence 
will open his heart and draw out his desire. I like this. We just remain by our remaining. The Lord has no choice but to open his heart. Uh, I mean, it, 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 it says so. It says so. The Lord, Lord says, can I not, should I not open to him? It's like Abraham's lingering, drew out, drew out, pull out what's deep in his desire. So that's all I will speak today. My brothers and sisters, I hope these are not just words or just some kind of exhortation. I hope that this kind of speaking incited you to what? To have a change. To really, really prioritize your schedule in a way that you can spend these kind of blessed and necessary moments with the Lord in a lengthier fashion, in a deeper way. To advance both in quantity and quality. And if we do this, we will be those vital overcomers of the Lord. There will be other factors we'll be covering in the this coming Saturday and beyond. But this is so, so crucial. May the Lord bless all of us. I stop here.